yeah, just just I, I like to keep an eye on flyers and stuff like that. Every year it gets more difficult, especially when you're retired. You know, it gets harder because prices have gone up and just so much money coming in. There's never enough money coming in. It's going to be a big topic of conversation for a long time because uh, certainly we'll talk about the inflation numbers, but there is a lot of uh, pain out there. By the way, I want to do cleanup on Isle Gil Penalosa because when, when we were having this conversation, everyone kind of was like, what is he talking about? Even Greg Brady was like, what? Porter's leaving the airport. None of us had heard of this. No, Porter's not leaving the airport, but they are going to be flying jets out of Pearson. So it's not the same. Flying jets out of Pearson does not mean that they're closing down Porter. So just to clarify what the current situation was, because I was like, huh? Um, but let's talk about food banks, because they do tell a story. You know, we're seeing record numbers of those who use food banks right now. where They've tripled over the last uh, few months. A lot of those are newer people who have just uh, not been able to, to keep up. You know, the income supports that they got during the pandemic, maybe COVID stuff, that has gone away and, and now they just can't keep up. Uh, but a new retrospective of data on food bank use in Toronto shows a couple of different things. Uh, the vast majority of those who do visit the banks during the year uh, have been in deep poverty for a long time. So that means that they're living at least 25% lower than the income level that the feds believe is what you need to have to have a basic standard of living. Uh, but the numbers we have, you know, the poverty line in Toronto for 2018, that's $24,722 a year. So that's about 20, uh, 2060 bucks a month. Like who can live on that in a city like this? You, you can't. So that's why we're seeing so many people needing an extra hand. But this is something that Kat Eschner, TVO's affordability reporter, dove right into. Good to have you, Kat. Thanks for having me, Alex. I'm always amazed by your reports because you have so much data and so much um, you know, depth to, to the reports that you put out. But let, let's start at the, the beginning point. Why did you actually start parsing into this particular issue? What's, why did you feel there was a story here? Oh, um, well, two things. One, um, <laughs> no, I know. No, it's always interesting to think about that, actually. Uh, one is just I've been following food uh, since I started on this beat earlier this year because food inflation is so high right now. So the the newest uh, consumer price index numbers came out today for September, and they revealed that um, food inflation is currently at 11.4% year over year, which is the highest level of inflation, like the highest rate of inflation since uh, I believe it was August of 1981, mm -hmm. um, a month in 1981. I don't recall which month. So it's food inflation is really high right now. But then the other thing was just um, I was actually approached by Daily Bread and they offered me an exclusive on this new report that they put out. Um, and I, I jumped on it because I thought it, they told a really interesting pair of stories about, um, you know, who's hungry in Toronto. Mm -hmm. and, and there are two different kinds of hunger, uh, to your point. There are those who have lived with this for years and likely will not get out of this cycle unless something completely changes. But then there are new people coming into the system where if they just had a bit of, um, you know, policy to, to give them a bit of a, a, a help, uh, they would not be part of this cycle. Right. So there's, yeah, this, this report really shows two different, tells two different related stories. One is, you know, the 11 years of data showing that before 2021, between 93 and 95% of all food bank users were in deep poverty. And the vast majority of them were on social assistance, which you and I have talked about before, Alex. So mm -hmm. that's Ontario Works or ODSP. Single adults, um, or people on ODSP, those two groups are were the yeah. historically the biggest users of food banks. Um, and then in 2021, 
it was only 81% of users in deep poverty, but that at the same time, um, it didn't necessarily mean that there were fewer users in deep poverty accessing the food bank because food bank use had gone up by like a very significant amount. Um, so many more new people were coming to the food bank and they had higher incomes than the people who were using it before, which brought up the sort of median income uh, of a food bank user. And we don't really think about it. I mean, we get the numbers kind of every month. There's the stats, there's the data. And, and so these people become kind of nameless, um, uh, just data points. Um, but in the bigger picture, uh, you know, when we're hearing about record numbers of use for the, the food bank, it is in our best interest, uh, you know, not just compassionate, but we have to get them out of this system. And so what was the takeaway as far as how we can end the cycle? I mean, we're never not going to have anybody who doesn't have a reliance on some services. But what was uh, the feedback that you got as to what actually needs to happen? Well, that's it's kind of complex because, you know, the food how everyone gets food is kind of very complicated. Like not everybody gets food in the same way or from the same place. Um, but two things that Armin Yaldizian, an Atkinson fellow and economist who I spoke to suggested, um, and she has suggested these uh, elsewhere as well, were, you know, supporting food banks so they can offer more services and offer more food, especially through this period of high food inflation, and then actually acting to reduce food inflation. But that is like, Reducing food inflation is very yeah. complicated because, like, as we're seeing, like, mm -hmm. these simple Bank of Canada rate hikes aren't doing it. Um, so they, but there they also don't tell the whole story more. because, like, when you see it, you're like, oh, interest rates are coming down. But then the, the big headline in today's takeaway, and we'll talk about it further, is, like, it's it, food is at 11.7%. I mean, that and those costs are not coming down anytime soon, sadly. No, yeah. no, 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 11.4%. But, yeah, um, so, like, the thing is that the reason food is so expensive is, is more complicated than a commodity like gasoline where we can point to one single reason. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it will require a more sort of robust intervention of some kind um, from policymakers to reduce food inflation or to offer people who are at risk of going hungry, which is something that nobody should face and something that nobody should have to face in a country that's wealthy, um, you know, some kind of further support to get them through this period. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, um, the longer you use and are reliant on food banks, because really they are not intentionally set up to become a permanent uh, fixture in one's life, because they can't offer necessarily everything that you would need in your diet. So ultimately, in the long term, uh, there are health uh, risks and disadvantages of those who are reliant. I mean, whether people are, I mean, we're already hearing stories, Kat, of people cutting meals out of their diet right now because yeah. they can't afford to eat three square meals. But when you're not you know, when you're not um, eating three square balanced meals and everything nutritious, ultimately we get those costs on the on the other side as far as healthcare. So this is something that I, to answer this question, I actually ended up contacting a Abebe Chimeles, uh, a researcher from the African Economic mm -hmm. uh, Research Consortium who studies the effects of inflation, uh, food inflation on nutrition and on health outcomes. He studied this in the context of Ethiopia, yeah. which you might think that's a bit of a reach, but there is no modern Canadian research about this because we haven't had to look at this problem. And Dr. Chimeles told me, you know, we were talking about this and he was talking specifically about children, like very young children who are exposed to food inflation, either while between the ages of three and one or while, you know, still in the womb. And he found that for every percentage point of food inflation, um, in this period, and this is as true for Canada as it is for the context of Ethiopia where he was working, every percentage point of food inflation increase meant a corresponding almost full percentage 
increase in the likelihood that they were going to have uh, a certain degree of poor growth or health problems because they had been exposed to this sort of poor food, poor uh, like food intake. So that's one way to look at it. The other is just to consider that, you know, the majority of people in deep poverty using food banks are still single adults and people on ODSP. Those are people who we know are already at risk and people who are already dealing with health situations. So Armenia Lizian, who I spoke to, talked about this cascade and this was such an interesting way of framing this to me. So basically, you go hungry. Being hungry, not having enough food makes you sick. This is very well documented. You get sick, you go to your doctor, you might not have a GP because there's a shortage of GPs. So you end up at the hospital. And at the hospital, if you're marginalized, you might not get a high standard of care. Even if you're not, hospitals are overwhelmed right Mm -hmm. now. They're drowning. Mm -hmm. So that's like a recipe for bad health outcomes. So- You can talk about food banks, you can talk about all these different ways to solve this problem. But at the end of the day, when people aren't eating enough, they get sick. Yeah, it's like a vicious cycle, uh, each feeding into the next. And I don't think it's one level of government that can solve this. I think ultimately it's going to take three levels of government. I mean, the ODSP issue to me is just one of the biggest failures that has to be rectified. Why it hasn't so far, Um, you know, given what we're dealing with, um, a recession and and inflation, uh, you know, the pressure's got to be mounting on those in charge to do something. Yeah. Nonetheless, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I think it's really important to note Ontario Works as well. So Ontario Works is like Ontario's version of a program that used to be known as welfare. Mm -hmm. Really low Ontario Works rates result in hunger. They result in hunger for children and families. And they mean that people can't stabilize their lives. So they would like to work. Lots of people would like to get a job. People would like to do stuff. But if you're living off $733 a month, which is the amount that Ontario Works offers, it has not changed in a long time. You know, how are you supposed to stabilize your life? Yeah, on like, seven hundred thirty. It's great you get a construction how? job, but you can't afford the construction boots to go with it. So yeah, therefore, you can't you, you take need, the job. That is a real issue, and I've, I've heard stories like that where people get no, a job completely. and it's like, I can't. Do and the job. How can how can you even contemplate going to work for eight hours if you haven't eaten? Construction's yeah. a hard job. My dad's a construction worker, and that's a rough job. Like how how can people be expected to even work that kind of job without a full meal in their stomachs? Yeah, well, you raise a lot of, I mean, it is like, it's a broad issue, but you've really dove, uh, you've dived right into kind of the the data points. And so, you know, I say it's a broad issue. It's like, oh, where do we Mm -hmm. even start with this? But it it is uh, is very informative. Very much appreciate your time, Kat. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Take care. That's Kat Eschner from uh, TVO's Affordability Reporting Beat. And uh, again, she parses through a lot of these numbers, kind of pointing out who's using it, why they're using it, what's the solution, what's the policy that needs to fix it. But uh, nonetheless, it's a problem not going away.